my favorite part of the hearings last week was the congressman who asked the Google CEO why his campaign emails were going in his dad's spam folder. Because your dad put them? He marked them as spam? (laughs) Have you asked your dad if he thinks your emails are trash? Love coding and want to learn new skills? Join the weekly AWS series, Developers Let's Code, live on Twitch. With hands-on demos and virtual sessions, you'll learn new core concepts on some of the hottest topics in cloud technology. Subscribe today at codewithaws.com. Hello. Hello. Hey, Ben. So I know you are a TikTok fan and user, and it was the big tech news over the weekend. Oh my goodness, what a roller coaster it was. What a roller coaster it was. Hard to see how this does anything but alienate the youth vote. Not really sure what their what their gambit is here, but interesting that TikTok, you know, is now at a point where it represents a national security threat. I thought it was funny memes. And then I read a story or I read a little breakdown this morning on Twitter, just sort of digging into some of the code. And it was basically saying TikTok is not something I would want installed on my phone. It feels like malware, but as we've gotten too many times, it doesn't look malicious. It looks sloppy as hell. What are your thoughts on TikTok, if any? Well, I thought it was really interesting. I was excited to hear about Microsoft buying it because there's a lot of concern in the U.S. about ownership and data and how aggressive they are with your data. So I was really excited to see that. And then I was disappointed because then I saw that they couldn't buy it. Oh, Because apparently government leadership here in the U.S. stepped in, Mm -hmm. this is about Friday or so, and was like, no, actually, sorry, you can't buy it. (laughs) What a nail biter. (laughs) Oh, what a nail biter. I thought that's what they wanted. Yeah, same. So much drama. What a flip-flop. What a cliffhanger. (laughs) And then (laughs) yesterday, they were like, actually, just kidding. Let's buy it. So yeah, yeah, just kidding. JK, JK. So now they're moving forward again. So we'll see. I think Microsoft owning the world, I'm actually for it. Yeah. I mean, I do think that there is this interesting division now between the really big tech players where Apple and Microsoft are the older ones. They're the veterans in the room. Yep. They are in some ways trying to build a suite of products and services that don't require all your personal data, don't need to vacuum it up to be valuable and can sometimes position themselves where like the value to the consumer is that there's privacy because that's not what they need from you. Yep. Obviously, that's not really true for, for Google and Facebook and Amazon. They're very interested in knowing what you want and when so that they can sell you products or sell ads that, that target you. And so Microsoft owning TikTok is hilarious because they're the oldest, stodgiest company in the room and TikTok is for the teens. They are, but that you have to remember though, they also have Xbox. No, that's true. I actually thought there's a lot of overlap there, like Fortnite, Xbox, Minecraft, Minecraft, gaming. So like for them just to have people, right, like even if they just left it alone, basically like let's clean it up, make it safe and leave it like leave it the heck alone. For us, it doesn't have to make money. Like let's take the ads out. And it's really just a way to like get kids using something that is made by Microsoft. That's all it is. It's like the gateway drug to maybe you'll like our other products and services and you'll think of our brand as like encompassing something hip that you use every day. That in itself is is invaluable for any big tech company, right? Yeah, but also there's so many users. Like Microsoft doesn't own any good social networks. True. And True. that encompasses Microsoft Teams. I'm sorry, Microsoft. I really just can't figure out how to use it. 
Yeah. Shout out to Microsoft Teams. Great integration with Stack Overflow for Teams. Teams, Teams, Team Squared. Shout it out. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it would be interesting, right? Like if you have something that people are opening up five, six, seven, eight times a day, that's really valuable. I don't know how many of the kids- Or if it's me, like 20, 25, every time you have a- 20, 25 times, right, exactly. How many of the people who are using that are going to convert to Microsoft Office 360 users? I don't know, but hey. Yeah, maybe that's not their funnel though. (laughs) That's not their funnel, exactly. The type of advertising that happens in TikTok is always really interesting. I haven't- bought anything from inside TikTok. I think they're figuring out Instagram really has mastered like what to market to me. And I end up buying things through Instagram, but not TikTok. Right. Right. That's interesting. I don't want to make this like a overly broad generalization, but one thing I will say is when I was reading about TikTok, what it said was that a lot of the things that made it unsafe was the reuse of existing code and using code from areas that have been deprecated and like, you know, were no longer being kept up to date so that they were safe. And this reminded me a lot of my time at DJI. We used to get these complaints a lot. And I will say that I do think that there is a different mindset about when it's appropriate to just completely borrow something. Like in Shenzhen, which is where they make all the hardware, they have this concept of Shanzai, which is like, it's okay to take something and make a better version and copyright and trademark are kind of irrelevant. Like that's not really our thing. Yeah. And so I think a lot of that may trickle down into how the software developers work as well. And so I don't, I'm not going to say, you know, whether or not TikTok is intentionally malware or not, but a lot of the, a lot of the examples that are being pointed out seem like somebody reusing bits and pieces of code they found elsewhere. I'm interested to understand more about that because I, I don't understand. So if you have an application and you're taking code from, I mean, that happens all the time. Like we want to build right. a new section of this application. We're going to model it after this old section of the application. Let's yeah. use this code. I don't understand why that would choose vulnerabilities unless you're taking it outside of existing architecture or something like that. Right. Yeah. They're taking it from out, not, not reusing code that they made internally. I'm talking about grabbing uh, it from okay, yeah, that, other places and bringing yeah, it in. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that, that's a bad practice. And it happened to us at DJI a few times yeah. and then we would have to go in and fix it. And, you know, it was always that sort of back and forth of, you know, oh, they're actually spying on you. See here, they're using this, like, you know, this piece of the app that like, you know, follows you when it's always off. And then we would find out, oh no, that was just some, you know, Four, 14 lines of code that they copy pasted from this video game app they use all the time. And it was just kind of, it was just being lazy yeah, and not like doing the due diligence as opposed That's to being fascinating. malicious. You know, that makes me think yeah. of that whole concept. Can you say that word again? I believe it's called Shanzai. Um, and there's like even a little bit of like a Robin Hood component to it where it's like, if you steal it and make something better, that's innovation, you know, great artist steal or whatever. Originally it was like a derogatory term that meant like knockoffs, you know, like a fake you know, high-end bag or, you know, knockoff DVDs or whatever. But as sort of China became the central locus for high-tech manufacturing, it took on a different sort of resonance. That's so interesting. I was actually having a conversation recently of someone who's working on a platform for makers. And Mm -hmm. one thing that you don't see as much in the hardware community or the maker community is the concept of open source like we have it in software. Mm -hmm. And I think, especially when it comes to hardware, that really kind of stunts the growth of the community just because people aren't, 
you know, building off of each other or fixing right. documentation when it's wrong or different things like that because it's so closed source. And the person mm-hmm. I was talking to is saying that that is the constant fear. They were related to Kickstarter and they were saying that that's the thing they hear the most from Kickstarter creators is that they'll have a successful Kickstarter. It'll fund They'll be getting ready to manufacture, but then someone in Shenzhen will see the successful starter and just make it because they're they're like, oh, I see this is successful. I see people want this and I know how to do this faster. So I'll just make it. So there's a growing fear about letting people into the kind of stuff that you're building because they're afraid someone will do that. So there was a great Wired documentary about Shenzhen and they called it open source on hyperspeed where, yeah, as, as soon as something is out in the open, you expect that everybody's going to start copying it. And that is just part of the creative environment. That's just an accepted, you know, like level of competition that you go into the game knowing. So yeah, exactly. Like I made this great Kickstarter and uh, then I worked really hard to find three or four factories and I sent them my blueprints. Well, now four other people are going to be making it like that. You just need to know that. And then you need to beat them on branding and execution and price and everything else. Yeah, that's the thing I think about all the time that someone said to me that was very wise. And that was, that's how you do it. That's how you beat it. It's Mm -hmm. brand. Yep. And what's really interesting is that, yeah, like the people who worked in the factories in Shenzhen, it was the first open economic zone. So like after China decided to try capitalism again, it was the first place where people could come and do foreign investment. And so all the chip makers from Taiwan went there so that they had all this super cheap Chinese labor and people were working in the factories. And then after about 10 years, a lot of Chinese were like, well, now I know how to make chips. And they left and started their own factories. You know what I mean? Like it was that, that sort of, you know, now you've taught me, now I'm ready to compete with you kind of thing. But yeah, I'm curious to see what happens with TikTok and WeChat. And the Chinese internet, like for many years was always kind of this parallel universe where they had these huge apps like WeChat that had no foothold in the West and they had their own search engines. They had their own everything. And then TikTok was the one that broke through. It was the one that so great. had the universal appeal. Yeah. Yeah. I remember going, <laughs> I remember going to China and at the time, because I say at the time, because since I've heard people being able to use GitHub, but having to VPN in to a U.S. server in order to use GitHub. It was really fascinating the different things that were part of the internet and weren't that we're very used to using here in the U.S. Yeah, when I was working at DJI, GitHub and Stack Overflow were both something that you typically tried to access from the office where we were in Shenzhen, but everybody online was in Hong Kong. Oh, um, fascinating. That may be changing with how Hong Kong changes, but yeah, whenever you were in the office, you're, you were basically on a VPN and it, as if you were in Hong Kong, because they had you know much wider access to the broader internet. And actually, somebody from a Chinese podcast company reached out to us once about a collaboration and was just sort of saying, like, there are days in China, as there are here when like an AWS server goes down or whatever, when they tweak the firewall somehow, and then they can't get Stack Overflow. And then those are just everybody goes crazy for <laughs> six hours figuring out how to get you know around that so they can get back to answering their questions and copying their code or whatever it is. It's so interesting. This is from July 31st. On Wednesday, TikTok CEO Kevin Meyer said the company would be happy to share all of its code and algorithms with regulators if that would appease their you know, concerns. I wonder if, you know, like you said, okay, you think we're spying on you. You think we're malware or whatever. Go ahead. You can look at all the code. Take a look. It's all yours. Is that meaningful in any way? Not really, right? Because like the next time you push a release, it could all look different. Is that meaningful to say like, 
go ahead, look at all our, you, you can look at our code. We're clean. Yeah. I think that's meaningful just in the way that like a snapshot of now would be mm-hmm. meaningful. I think just like being open and transparent is meaningful. I, I think even hearing something right. like that is encouraging. The fear here is a lot of it's unfounded. I think a lot of th- people yeah. are concerned of what's being taken on their phone and sent to TikTok right. servers. So just having yeah. a better understanding of what that is, I think that'd be good. Yeah. So the, the promise from TikTok was they would let uh, regulators look at their algorithms that regulators will never understand, but okay. Okay. Yeah. No. Moderation uh, policies. <laughs> as we know from and the data flows. hearing last week, uh, yeah. that was a real tough one. Yeah. Yeah. Data flows is, was the interesting one. That was also always the one with DJI where it was like, we had an app and it was occasionally sending information back to China where the app was created and where some of the servers were located and that always became, you know, the big sticking point. So it was like, okay, we'll put all our servers in the U.S. and therefore we won't send it out, you know. But that would would just be, you know, constantly this circulating thing where somehow in working on the app, in doing testing, in beta, in an update, a little bit of data would get sent back to China. And then we'd start all over again from square one of, oh, you're actually, you know, stealing IP. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it's tough. Like once you have that reputation, it's tough to dial it back. But I think you're right. No one's going to understand it by looking at it. So what else have you been reading? I feel like on the tech front, you know, one of the things that stood out to me recently is that people are buying lots of new machines to use at home. So I noticed during Apple's earnings that they had like a huge quarter for laptop sales, which I assume is a lot of people being like, well, I'm stuck at home. I guess I got to like, you know, invest in this. A lot of my friends who aren't professional, you know, podcasters or whatever have bought microphones mm-hmm. because like they're just on so many Zoom calls that they're like, what, you know, I want to, I want to be as professional as I can about this or whatever. But I'm curious, what are you seeing? Like are people either for, you know, coding at home or for remote work, are people investing in new kinds of technologies or processes? I more hear a lot of conversations about where people live. I think that's the thing. I, I mean, you, you can relate to this because I know you just moved out of the city. But I think there's a lot of conversations about, you know, how long am I going to be remote and where I'm going to live? I know last week Google announced to their employees that they're yeah. going to be remote until June 2021, mm-hmm. which is definitely longer than many companies have said. I know us at Stack, we have the option to be remote until June 2021. And then in general, as as a company, we're fairly remote friendly. So I think that it's opened up a lot. I think one thing I've heard is also a mass diaspora out of San Francisco, which Mm. is really interesting and does a lot for this industry. I think San Francisco has for a long time been the place that you live if you're serious about this career, right? It's like being Mm -hmm, an mm -hmm. actor and not living in Hollywood. You know, why would, why would you think that would be successful? Right. And so like New York is a banker and not living in New York, in New York. Exactly. And so like being a programmer and living in New York has always kind of been a little sister city to San Francisco as the tech scene isn't quite as robust. I know I, I always watch product. New York doesn't really understand product in the way that you know, and building good products and focusing on growth in the way that San Francisco does time and time again. And so I think watching people move out of San Francisco and mass, I think will be, you know, one thing I'd love for it to see is to have it be an equalizer so that good technologists can live wherever. And I think a lot of companies too are struggling with how to pay people that live, don't live in the Uh. cities. 
some places have created boundaries of like live X miles from a city and get paid this rate. Or if you don't, you get paid this rate. It's really, and other places are like, we'll pay you the same no matter where you live. I think that's also been something people are trying to figure out. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like in the engineering world, because folks like to solve problems and have sort of like spreadsheets for everything, there are salary calculators and ratios, right, of distance to office in a way that I'm not familiar with from a lot of other careers. Yeah. Also, because it was always so easy maybe to do it remote. Like other places are adapting to remote work, but, you know, software developers kind of got to be ahead of the curve on that. And now there is almost this double upside for companies, which is interesting where it's like the office isn't an option. Stop expecting the perks, you know, like the on-site massage and volleyball court, gym and, you know, seven cafeterias. Yeah. And if you move farther away from here, we're going to pay you less. So <laughs> not that tech companies needed more margin, but that will definitely, I feel like, create a you know, for for a technology company, the ability to operate in a much leaner, more efficient fashion, because it was very expensive to compete for that great software talent. Not only were they expensive in terms of the salaries, but you had to really pamper them at the office if you wanted the best people. Yeah. Um, At least for a year or two, that's going to go away. And often when things like that go away, it takes a long time for them to come back, if ever. I don't know. I don't know about you. There really was never the ping pong table slash game room (laughs) slash none of those things really appealed to me. But I think there was quite a group of folks that it did appeal to. And I wonder how those folks are feeling about it. I mean, in some ways it almost became right, like shorthand for we know the lingua franca of what you need. We're hip. Like there was a while where I think a lot of companies were getting a billion dollar valuation just to say it, just to be like, we're in the, we're in the big B club. If you join us, you know, you're on the right rocket ship. It didn't really mean that their business was deserving of that necessarily, or like, you know, that, uh, they could maintain that, but it was just like to attract talent. You kind of needed that stamp of approval. You needed the ping pong table, the cold brew on tap and the billion dollar valuation. So, yeah, I don't know. That's one of the things I'm always, I'm sort of grateful about with stack overflow. And one of the things that always stood out was like, just to assume that the company was in no rush, (laughs) was happy to like be very fiscally conservative in a lot of ways. And I think that's paid dividends. Yeah. I think we did go through a while where it was like the offices and the ping pong tables were the big appeal, which I still think that the office for developers is groundbreaking. No one's still, no one's doing it. And I can't tell you how much focus it adds to a development team. But, you know, come for the ping pong in the office, stay for the lunch. It's definitely something that (laughs) has been part of the culture for a long time. But I think being able to design your own environment is really nice. Yeah, that's not something that gets offered at a lot of places anymore. So that was kind of the one thing that was different even than, right, like a Google or a Facebook. It was like, okay, the lunch isn't as good. We don't have seven cafeterias. But you get that zen, private, your space. Get your flow state in, you know? Yeah. I've got a lifeboat for you and then we can call it a day. Sounds great. What is the difference between resize and reshape when using arrays in NumPy? Numpy? NumPy. Yeah, NumPy. I just started using NumPy and I'm trying to understand the difference between resize and reshape for arrays. And the answer here is reshape doesn't change the data as mentioned. Resize changes the data and can be seen here. And then they've given you some examples with a couple of different arrays, one reshaped and one resize. So shout out to Rahul Reddy Vemireddy for 
earning a lifeboat on that one and answering a question from Rish Saxena, who has 241 reps, so a relatively new user. We always appreciate that. So great. All right. Fantastic. Well, Sarah, I know this is a, these are trying times for you. If TikTok goes down in the US, Oof. I know a few VPN services you can use. Thank you. Um, so you can pretend to be somewhere else and continue to use TikTok. That will be, that'll be a lifesaver. Good. I am Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow. You can find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. And I'm Sarah Chips, Director of Community at Stack Overflow. And you can find me on GitHub as Sarah Joe. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you have ideas, shoot them on over podcast at stackoverflow.com.